Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. At many points in our lives, we will face big, life-changing decisions. Our choices will not only impact ourselves, they will potentially disrupt our loved ones. Some of us will face breakups or divorce that will impact our children. So how do we find the courage to make those choices and practice self-care while still caring for everyone around us? Well, you're in the right place to answer those questions today. I'm joined by Zainab Fassel. She is a board certified behavior analyst, super mom, and passionate entrepreneur. She has leveraged her own courageous actions and life lessons to start not one, but two clinical practices and dedicates her life to helping others navigate their biggest challenges. I'm really excited to get into this conversation. So welcome, Zainab. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Amazing, thank you for making the time to do it. Um, would you mind starting off by telling our listeners a little bit about the amazing journey that you have been on, all the highs and lows, and what brought you to where you are today and starting two businesses, which is amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So much to say, so little time. Yes. Um, I am quite the talker sometimes, so I'm going to try to summarize my life and my <laughs> journey. Five minutes, your entire life. Go. No, okay, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, so I was, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to start at the age of 19 because that's when I got married. Um, I was married at 19. So very, very young. I had just started my undergraduate degree at York at that time. And I um, was married for 10 and a half years, had two boys and then separated just before I turned 30 or just after, I think. Anyways, I can't even keep track of my own journey. (laughs) So um, at that point, I was actually in my starting my last year of my master's degree, and I was supposed to be working on my thesis research project. Wow. Separation. I got really sick. I had two kids who were three and five at that time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was juggling a whole lot. It was not... um, it wasn't a very pretty divorce. Um, so there was a okay. lot, a lot of challenges came along with that. And my health, um, both physical and mental took a really big hit. Um, I remember one night sitting down and just contemplating why I was even doing my master's. I was ready to quit. I remember talking to my mom and being like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't have it in me. I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. I quit everything. And I don't know what it was, but I didn't quit. And I love it. So incredibly glad that whatever, whomever, you know, I'm pretty sure it was a combination of God and my mom. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you can't quit. You've got it in you. And I did. So I graduated. um, I continued working. I did my practicum stuff. And then I sat for my board exams. I passed that, which was like a huge, huge milestone. Amazing. Amazing. Boys growing up, we um, still till today been divorced for 10 years now. Okay. Uh, my boys are both teenagers. 
<laughs> we're living the COVID life. Um, I still have 50-50 shared custody with their dad. So they go, you know, they have mom and dad in their life. That's good. It hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy journey, but um, one of the things I always say about my journey, but I also like people to think about in life is, you know, that saying there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that one so much. <laughs> I gotta go through I'm like, I'm like mm-hmm. you're like, mm, yeah, we don't like that one. <laughs> yeah, and here's why, because it's, I kind of see it as um, life. If you kind of look at your life and the struggles and what you're going through, and you just think of it as a dark tunnel that I have to mm. make it through this, and I gotta make it through this, and then this light will come. I don't know. A lot of people suffer so much because of that. And what I kind of came across for me anyways, and I like to share this with my clients and my friends and family, is it's more about poking holes in that tunnel. Oh, right? I love it. Mm-hmm. And poke some holes, get some light as you're going through it, because it's not all dark, right? right. You can yes. find ways to poke holes, infuse some light into whatever journey you're on. So when I kind of went with that mindset, as I was going through my journey, so much changed, right? And I think that's why I was able to navigate through kind of a messy, not kind of, it was a really messy divorce, Uh, raised two boys, you know, as a co-parent, single mom, and finish my master's and do my board certification. And then fast forward, I don't even know where I'm at in my journey right now with you guys, but uh, Mm -hmm. fast forward, I got headhunted. I was working full-time at a reputable agency here in Ontario. Um, and I got headhunted and that had never happened to me before. And someone came seeking me and I'm like, how do you even know I exist? This is cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I left my full-time gig, um, with two weeks notice. And I've been working at that agency for 10 years and I left and I started consulting for another agency, which was like an hour away from home. So that kind of presented with some challenges of being a single mom. I did what I had to. A year into that, I was like, you know what? I could do my own thing. I'm board certified. I've been in this field for so long. I know what I'm doing. So once again, (laughs) took this huge risk on a whim. I'm like, okay, bye. Thank you. (laughs) But I'm going to go do my own thing. And I opened in 2015. I opened my first clinical practice uh, called The Behavior Company. And today we've got four different departments at the company um, and actually hiring right now too, because we're growing and we serve so many different um, populations. So typically it's in mental health, uh, psychiatry and developmental disabilities. So lots of work going on in there, which was really cool. And then um, a few years later, probably four years later, um, I... (laughs) I had this other aha light in my tunnel moment and (laughs) was like, you know what? I started helping. I started getting calls primarily from my like community, from my mosque, uh, but also from outside. And I started getting calls like, hey, you know, you've been through a divorce and you work with kids, but you also work with adults and you do a lot of counseling and therapy. Um, Can I ask you some questions? I'm going through a divorce now, too. And I was getting calls from moms and from dads. And so I just informally, I didn't put it, you know, I was just helping people as much as I could because 
one of those been there, done that, you become a little bit wiser with experience. And I was like, don't make the mistakes that I made. Like, don't fight over this. It's going to cost you so much and it's not worth it. Right. Right. Or, you know, remember to prepare yourself through this process because it's not easy, even if it's a clean divorce, if you will. Right. So I started doing that. And then I was like, you know what, I'm using all of my clinical skills that I've studied and I've been using all this time. And I married my personal life with my professional life. And I launched my second clinical practice, which is called YTU Divorce and Co-Parenting. Amazing. So yeah, so then I did that, which was super cool. So now I'm running two businesses, got two teenagers, <laughs> we're living the COVID life. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you've been on quite the ride to get here. Quite the ride. And I am actually, and you know what, all the listeners on this podcast are probably going to be the first people to hear outside of my family, but I'm literally just completing my application to do my doctorate now. Oh my God. Congratulations. That's amazing. I've always wanted to do it. There's never been a good time, but I'm like, you know what? This has been one of my life goals. Why am I not doing it? So Why are you I'm apply. I don't know if I'll get in. I don't know if it'll happen, but I got to take the first step. So I'm doing it. So I have so many questions for you. <laughs> but, um, I want to start with, I love the kind of theme along your journey where you just have courage. So we always say it, not we say, but the definition of courage is you're afraid, uncertain, you have uh, trepidations, but you do it anyway. And along your journey, you have done that so many times. When you face that, what is it that gets you to sort of take that leap of faith and kind of dive into the unknown space? Um, Oh my God, so many things and people. (laughs) Um, So like a big part of it is my family, right? Especially my mom, my dad, my siblings. Um, They're a huge part of my motivation. Kiddos, big, big part, right? I'm always looking at their faces every day and be like, yeah. Uh you know? Um, so they're certainly part of my motivation. Uh, I think a lot has to do with my clinical skills. So I practice and teach a lot of what's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And I talk about is all this yucky stuff comes up for us, all of us, right? That's like barriers, these really, um, not not so pleasant thoughts, feelings, emotions, all the self-talk that goes on in all of our heads and stuff. Horrendous self-talk sometimes. Yeah. And so what I do clinically actually is work with people to overcome that yucky stuff and start making what we call towards moves. So we're making moves towards our values and goals as like a human being. So when it comes to, for example, um, you know, my parenting practices, Right? Yes. I would use that and I'd be like, okay, there's all this stuff coming up from marriage, divorce, guilt, parent guilt is huge. I'm actually presenting that on Thursday and yeah. talking about that kind of stuff. And at the core of it, I'm always asking myself, it's like, how do I want to show up as mom? Yeah. How, what do these boys deserve of me? Right. And what's it going to take to do that? And you break things down. Right. A lot of people make these big strides like I'm going to do this. I'm not yelling at my kids anymore. You're like, oh, okay, well, who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah. So um, for me, it's always been that it's been, you know, a combination of faith, praying and talking to God a lot, my family, my kids, and then using the skills that I've studied and I practice as well in terms of like, all right, let's go. And yeah. Here's actually a really, really good motivator. I know a lot of people are actually 
it stops them from making some moves. For me, mm-hmm. it's just, all right, if it's not scary, it might be boring. Let's do yeah. scary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love that you're always moving forward and that you want to sort of dispel this tunnel with a light at the end because when you think about that, life is actually not that clean, that you have a nice dark tunnel with a nice pretty light at the end. That's not how it happens. Oh, There's no. no tunnel. There's a million cars or planes or whatever crossing over oh, and all of the things. So I actually really like that. Um, and specifically for parents, and I'm not a parent, but I you know, know many of them, but I observe a lot this um, almost underlying thing that you have to sacrifice everything for your kids. And that you have to give them absolutely everything. And I sometimes wonder if you're giving them everything, what do you have left? Like, how do you continue to give if you are sort of draining everything in Uh, one shot? I love it. I love it because that was me. Like that was me. And sometimes there's like a day or so or something like that here and there that it's still me sometimes because kids Mm -hmm. do need us, right? So for example, during worldwide pandemic the kids are you know trying to adjust and stuff so even my boys needed me a little bit more right whether it was because we needed to upgrade stuff in the house in terms of technology or they have questions around a pandemic none of us have lived through this before it's new to me it's new to these not so little boys I have (laughs) these young men as I'm sure they would like to be called (laughs) let's call them that then yeah So I think sometimes it's, um, you do have to give, right? A lot of you, but I think it's that practice of like giving everything out of you and you've got nothing left, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And if we do that a lot, it does deplete you and it actually makes an impact on your mental health. And so for your mental health and physical health, it has an impact. And when those are impacted in a parent, that directly impacts kids. So you actually have less to give them. Right. So I always think oh, interesting. That by that. almost by giving them more, you actually have less for them. Exactly. Right? So it's like over time, if I deplete myself, what am I going to give these two humans that are the most important ones in this world to me? Right. So I got nothing to give, you know, mm-hmm. um, I also like the idea of you know, you give a lot of times they're like, well, keep refilling your bucket, right? Like your own mm. bucket and stuff, which is really cool. But where giving should be is when our bucket is overflowing, right? Oh, I like that. Concept. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving a part of me that's necessary for my well-being. I'm mm. from the overflow. And so when you're taking care of your own mental health and your physical health and all of that stuff, you're always going to have overflow. And that's where we should be giving from versus depleting ourselves. I love that because it's not like you have to give up a piece of you or something that you need for yourself. You actually give what's growing from you almost what's exactly. coming in yeah. addition to that. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. And, you know, specifically for any single moms um, who are listening, um, Mm. I heard something early on in my like separation and divorce journey, and it sticks with me till today. So like I said, we have a 50-50 custody access arrangement, and it's been 10 years now. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. So um, I plan my life. So I heard this thing. It was, you have your children 50% of their life. Okay. Yeah. I have 50, 50 custody. My children deserve a hundred percent of me, 50% of their life. 
So what I've done for the last 10 years, whether I was working for someone, working for myself, had no work when COVID first started regardless, was I always book stuff when I work extra hard the week they're not with me. Right. My social life only when they were younger only existed when they weren't with me because I couldn't, I'm not going to drop my kids off somewhere the week that they're with me just so I can go hang out with my friends. Right. Right. So I adjusted my life in that sense. So that was really helpful in terms of like time management, also making sure I had time for myself, going out, having that social life, working really hard to grow businesses and all of that. But I wasn't compromising their time with me because they only get mom. I mean, we're in contact. We talked on the phone every day. Of course. All yeah. that. When sports existed, <laughs> you know, mom and dad would go to all their sports or school events and all of that stuff. So yeah. uh, it's not like they're I'm not existent in their life for that week, but they're not under my roof for that week. And I will work super hard those weeks, right? But when they're Mm -hmm. with me, it's we're doing family dinners and we're going to hang out and we're going to do movie night. And I'm not worried about work because I got it done. Right. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to, you know, make sure your bucket's full, give from your overflow. But then it also comes down to how are you going to juggle your life to maintain and to be able to give to yourself and to your children and to other people. Um, as well and so for the single parents out there um, it's a different ball game right so it is about adjusting your life as well and that was really helpful for me um, in terms of not depleting myself and it just sounds like you almost have the best of both worlds you have this time just for you and this time to be the best mom you could ever be and you get to live both of those which is which is kind of perfect (laughs) it's perfect it's also kind of not I have a lot of and clients um, who are divorced um, and it's more common to have shared parenting time than it is yeah to have full custody anymore in Canada Um, Uh, necessarily true for everyone yeah now it's it's kind of nice to have that absolutely right you can separate to be able to recharge for me a lot of it was I get time for myself I get time for my friends and I get time to grow my businesses and I don't have to, um, and I can just concentrate on those things, right? Right, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I miss these two humans so yeah. dearly. And for many, many years, I didn't sleep properly when they weren't here. Oh, when they weren't I with know, you. Oh. Yeah, and I know they're safe and I know they're happy with their dad, but they're not with me, right? And so yeah. that was really difficult. And when I started recognizing and working on my own mental health, and kind of came up with healthy strategies, um, that's when I started sleeping again, right? Mm. Um, and still till today, I miss them dearly. So it's of not course. to do that, but you still miss them, right? But you adjust yeah. and you adapt. And so that, I guess, ties into what you were talking about, about parental guilt also. Like any moment that your child isn't with you or you can't give them full attention, then you feel this massive guilt um, yeah. for not being there, I suppose. Yeah, there's huge guilt for that stuff, or there's guilt just around, I'm missing so much of his life, or her life, or um, I'm going to do this. So we have um, a lot of families, um, or a lot of parents who will buy them extra stuff, or will say yes to more than they would have otherwise, right? Because they're parenting out of guilt. Yeah. Every night when they try to go to sleep, it's, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that, I could have said this, I, you know, should have, could have, does. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of guilt ensues and you can't parent 
in a healthy way based on guilt, right? Mm, so a lot yes. of, you know, most of this is all internal work right? Like 90% of all of this in your journey for anyone, like absolutely get help um, and support from professionals and, um, you know, healthy social circles and stuff. Yes. Uh, but so much of it is about that introspection and working on yourself. I think that's true for everybody, like for every challenge that you face <laughs> in life. The solution is normally inside you versus a lot of us, myself included, will look for a solution externally first and then go, hold on a minute. If I don't fix this in my own brain and my own soul, then it's never going to truly get resolved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, speaking of resolution, so you mentioned that, you know, it was a messy divorce and without getting into any detail there, you seem to have reached a really good place in terms of shared custody and co-parenting and all of that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got, um, from the messiness to the healthy stage? Um, I wish it was that clean. I wish it was. Or, yeah, I'm sure it's not like the tunnel, obviously. Yeah, right. but. Messy to clean. Um, I think, yeah. A, a lot of it comes back to just what we were just talking about. Like, you know, I had to look at myself because as much as we like to point the finger, right? I like the Bob yeah. Marley one where you're pointing one finger, there's three pointing back at you every time. That's right, yes. I, I use that for myself and I had to call myself out right on mm. the stuff that I wasn't doing. So I had a whole bunch of expectations or I was trying to exert some level of control because I'm the mom, therefore I must know what's best for my children. <laughs> right, when, yeah. In an environment that I have no control in. Like when they're gone to their dads, they're gone to their dads. If they're being loved and cared for and they're fed and they're safe, like you gotta let it go. But that, mm. that, that was the internal struggle for me. Right. Looking at myself and a what expectations I had of myself, what expectations I had of their dad, um, and then living true to that. I read a lot. There's a <laughs> lot of really good um, research articles, books, even blogs, podcasts, even on co-parenting. Right. Um, really helpful in terms of like good strategies to put in place. Right. Okay. So I practiced a lot of those, and we were. Um, and they changed over time as the kids started growing up and they started, you know, they were developing um, emotionally, academically, physically, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Needs changed. So we used to do this thing on their birthdays, for example, it was whatever you want. And they always wanted dinner with mom and dad, right? Oh, yeah. and, and one of them was like, I want to go mini golf. The other one on his birthday was like, I want to go watch a movie and I want two bags of popcorn. I'm like, oh. <laughs> And it wasn't the easiest, but that's what he wanted on his special day, right? Of course, so yeah. Kind of, you, you put aside a lot of the other stuff and you just do what's best for the kids. And I know that line gets thrown around so much. Yeah. Um, but it really is a lot of internal work. Mm -hmm. All yourself out on the stuff that you <laughs> so well. With yourself almost, right? Absolutely. And then just finding middle ground, learning which fights, if you will, are worth it. Right. I okay, know yeah. people let the emotions get in the way and they will, you know, argue over everything, um, mm. which, you know, and my question always is, is this going to matter in their lives in five years? Right. Answer is no. It's let it go. Mm. Right. And so you learn how to the saying goes, pick your battles. Right. Yeah. We really do learn which ones are important and the ones that were important. That's what was negotiated. 
Okay. And yeah. it's unique to every person, every family, every situation. Absolutely. It's kind of going back to internally what your values are. Absolutely. Yeah. Value driven life is mm -hmm. it's the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the only way. <laughs> Um, so it sounds like you're an amazing mom and congratulations on that. And you've mentioned your mom a couple of times as a huge motivator for you. So what did, what's your relationship with your mom like, and what did you learn from her? Oh my God, we need another hour. <laughs> <laughs> She's, um, so I have three sisters also, and all of us, um, have our own businesses. My mom had her own business. So we wow. Okay. Thing in our blood anyway. Got it. Okay. Uh, She's our biggest fan. Oh. Like she will come to the workshops that I hold and they have nothing to do with anything in her life, but she just comes. She is like, you know, the, if I could like give you guys a visualization, it's like that <laughs> soccer mom who's like cheering her kid on a <laughs> That's our mom, right? And yeah. In terms of just supporting us, however we, I needed to be in my journey, um, mm -hmm. has been phenomenal and nonstop. Like the consistency in her support and love has just been phenomenal. Her faith in God by far out of all of her, um, you know, amazing qualities and stuff. I think that is, I don't know. It's just, I'm in awe all the time. So if I have anything oh, wow. coming up, good, bad, something's happening, whatever, or if I'm like, you know, doing something and I'm like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to my God. Sure. But I'm going to call my mom because I'm convinced <laughs> mom's got a direct line to him. She, she has more influence with this universe and with God than I do. <laughs> well, I'm like, mom, okay, this is happening. I need you to pray. And then she'll, yeah. she'll pray and then she'll message me and all of her messages. I love you always. And she has all these hard emoticons and all this stuff on her. Oh, that's sweet. So yeah, I think her faith in God and her just like consistent and unrelentless support um, mm. and guidance and just, yeah. She's so she was an entrepreneur and a business owner probably in a time where it was not very common for women to do that. So she's sort of a trailblazer in um, some ways. In, in some respects, yeah. Um, I know like there's a lot of entrepreneurs in our family on all the sides. My dad. Ah, okay, okay. So it's definitely yeah. in our family big time. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So she had this massive catering business and, you know, I someday struggle to cook for the you know, <laughs> she's like, Oh, I'm cooking for 5,000 people tomorrow. I'm like, what? So yeah, she was a trailblazer in terms of like her industry or just in women in general, like running a business and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even today it's, um, you know, it can be a challenge and it can be, um, you know, male led organizations or, or startups get funded more than women's do and all of these yeah. things. So um really impressive yeah yeah sure. um and then you mentioned like your dad and, and entrepreneurship sort of being in your family so yeah. it sounds like your dad would have been incredibly supportive and and um a great partner for your mom um how are you teaching your boys about how to approach relationships and and how to build that in their lives Oh man. Um, <laughs> so relationships in general, we kind of talk about all the time. Uh, yeah. And I try to instill that. And the thing is kids, you know, again, me with the sayings, but like kids don't do what you say, kids do what you do. Right. And right. So yeah. Always about like modeling. So as much as I can tell them about relationships, if they're not mm -hmm. seeing that, 
you know, if mom's not emulating that stuff, then they're not, it's not going to stick. They're not going to learn those things. Right. Uh, so I just try to find the best ways I can to model um, what it means to be in healthy, good relationships. So if anything comes up, for example, you know, if one of my friends needs help with something, I will talk to them about what I'm doing. Okay. Um, and stuff. If we're, you know, um, talking about business, for example, and they're always like, what's the difference between like one of your staff and one of your clients? Like, who do you pay? Who pays you? How does this work? Blah, blah, blah. And so we're talking about those things. And I'm like, well, everything really comes down to relationships, right? And you mm -hmm. have to respect whether they're the clients who hire me um, or my company to do some work with them. Um, I still need to respect them. And if it's my staff, I need to show them respect. Um, right. As well, right. But, oh, but they work for you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They won't work for me for very long. They, they won't be sticking around very long if you're not respectful, right. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so in terms of relationships in general, it's always just, I try to as much as possible. I mean, whenever they're not gaming, um, <laughs> but, you know, just, I'm talking to them as much as I can. And then, you know, right now there's like no social interactions with anyone, but I know, yeah. I can, you know, when we can do the social thing again, um, it's about taking them to certain things. Even if they are not too excited, I'll take them to certain things and just let them watch. And mm. they kids learn by observation. Like it's unbelievable how much they pick up just by watching. Oh, that's cool. uh, so yeah, we're just, I'm not formally teaching them um, by any means. It's just having conversations. Um, and then that actually leads me to, um, I just got engaged. Oh, congratulations. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's that relationship now that they're, yeah. they're watching and they're learning from. Mm -hmm. And they're watching. And, and that's been a challenge for me because again, I was they were so young when you know their dad and I separated and then yes. they haven't seen mom in a relationship mm -hmm. um and now that they're teenage boys they're like they understand and know a lot more and yeah. um, so now they're watching mom be in a relationship that is incredible and it is healthy and it's uh -huh a huge learning curve for me because it's been like independent woman doing her thing right mm -hmm. <laughs> so, absolutely like, you know, and now it's a different side of mom is coming out and stuff. And so for me too, it was like a, it's okay for kids to see a healthy relationship. In fact, Zainab, it's really good, right? So yeah. you need to be that strong, independent woman at all times, you know, yeah. um, or at least that facade that a lot of us put up and you can show that female vulnerable, you know, sensitive side um, that and that doesn't make you weak. The female vulnerable <laughs> side is actually a strength to be able to show that to someone, uh, share that with somebody. Yeah. And yeah. that took a lot of courage from like, in uh -huh. my family, that part took a lot of courage for me because of what I had gone through and because of what I, you know, went through for the last 10 years on my own it's yeah. you start living in this role of like the independent woman who has to do everything and blah 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 blah, and people start expecting <laughs> that of you and so you start doing that even more and yes. you become incredibly self-reliant right um and i think you know on social media and just in society in general showing that vulnerable side is seen as a weakness like you just said but in fact to show that and to be vulnerable with another person I think that's the most humanistic, beautiful side of a person. Yes. Right? And it feels amazing when you can trust that other person and you know that 
that it's a safe space and you're not going to be judged and you're, yeah. you know, um, so obviously trust. And that was critically important to you. How did you open yourself up to a new relationship after, after everything that you've been through? Slowly. <laughs> very, good. Very, very <laughs> That's <slowly>. good. <laughs> um, I knew that I wasn't ready. Um, I didn't yeah. want to be in a relationship. Right. And for me, it wasn't, because I got married at such a young age and then went through all the stuff that I did go through and then the divorce wasn't, was messy. Um, for me, it was just, I want to be on my own. And then I think for me as, you know, both from my faith, but then also from like a professional standpoint, I know the importance of introspection and digging deep inside and working on some of the trauma and working on some of the wounds and working on some of the not so pretty sides, you know, mm, yeah. uh, yourself. Um, and that became a huge focus for me because I had this aha moment. So I'm going back to the beginning of our interview, but I had yeah. this aha moment when I was, um, you know, in my journey and it was, my kids aren't getting the best version of the mom they deserve. And mm. I'm not getting the best version of the person I know I can be. And that's kind of when I, you know, for lack of better words, hit my rock bottom. Right. And it's like, okay, well, there's nowhere else to go but up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so the only way I started going up was when I started working on myself. And so for a long time, being in a long-term serious relationship wasn't on my agenda. And I'm really yeah. glad it wasn't on my agenda because it mm -hmm. allotted me the time, space, and security to work on myself. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it took a lot. It took a long time. And then I got to a point where um, I was, I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready to move on. I don't know if I want more kids. I don't, but I never discounted getting married again. Right. So it was oh, interesting. Like, oh, okay. So that was always there. Yeah, it was always mm -hmm. there. Like, yeah. I'll get married someday. Yeah. And then yeah. I got so busy with work and kids and all these like self, you know, help and self-improvement stuff that I was doing. Yeah. And then um, it wasn't working out for a little while and I started pushing it. And I was just like, almost trying to force like something to happen. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. ready. Now I'm ready. <laughs> Come but on. I, it doesn't I happen like that. Myself, where are you? Like, yeah. You know? Self-care check, did all the intro right? work. Check, 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 check. Now, come on. <laughs> right? yeah. And it wasn't happening. And then right. you know, I remember because this was literally, oh man, I can't even remember when, but I, I didn't give up. I was just like, you know what? cool yeah I was like okay I think I'm trying a little bit too hard something's not working because obviously right. he's not knocking on my door like mm -hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> right so I kind of just left it and I'm like okay cool and then I met him and I was not expecting it yeah and, and it just all happened Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. That's yeah. so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. After all of that, you deserve it. You deserve it. Thank so you. Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. The kids like him. He likes the oh, kids. He yeah. likes me too, so it works out. Fairly certain he likes all of you a lot, a whole lot. <laughs> you know, we may even throw out the word love there, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> um, but I'm also interested, like, you know, you've talked about the journey of self-discovery and, you know, sort of circling back toward to the beginning. Um, when you first got married, you were very young at 19. You were, you mentioned you're doing your undergrad and then 
somewhat ironically, when you got your divorce, you're also working on your master's. What was, what was the, uh, aside from the obvious difference of you're married with kids and going through a divorce, there's a lot going on when you were doing your undergrad and, and a young age getting married. And then a lot going on with your master's and getting divorced. Like in terms of that, like chronological timeline and who you are when you're 19 versus, you know, 10 years after that, what was the difference and how did you kind of navigate that when you were so young versus um, a little bit older with a bit more life experience? Because we have listeners who are all the ages and all yeah. the yeah, um, I think with um, experience and not, um, age and all of that stuff comes a mm-hmm. lot of wisdom, right? So, yes. you know, doing my undergrad, being this newlywed 19 year old, um, mm. and I didn't, I started university when I was 19. Yeah, 19. Yeah. So, um, got married, started my undergrad and stuff. It was just, I think so much of it was just go with the flow. Okay. Yeah. Just whatever's happening is happening, but I didn't have a commitment of children or any of that kind of stuff. Right. So a lot of it was just, you're having fun at university, but, and you're married. Right. And it was roll with the punches. And I've always been that type of personality, if you will, um, in terms of that. Um, But there was a lot of, for lack of better words, like recklessness, there wasn't a lot of thought into kind of carefree at that point. Yeah, that's probably a better word. It wasn't very <laughs> reckless. <laughs> it sounds cooler though, but I wasn't. Yes, yes. Um, I was a lot more like kind of carefree um, attitude towards stuff, rolling with the punches and just going along with things. Right. Um, and a lot of because I didn't have a lot of experience at that age and stuff, there was a lot of maybe this is how it's supposed to be and mm, you don't know out and I wasn't seeking any type of advice I didn't get therapy um I didn't talk to people about stuff that was going on I just right. went with it and then I went into this whole maybe this is what it's supposed to be right because you I don't know out. yeah yeah the wiser kind of right. mentality um and again it wasn't until you know, I started working and I was doing all this stuff. I had two kids by that point. And then I started my master's degree and then obviously fast forward a whole lot of years mm-hmm. and I'm doing my master's degree and you go in with so much knowledge, right. And experience mm. then. And so everything becomes a little bit more um, thought driven. Right. And okay. Personal, yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, okay. <laughs> roll with the punches okay yeah. Maybe this is supposed to happen right and so you start questioning things you start looking at it from so many different angles as well because you've been exposed to so much more in in the world and in life right um, so I think it was always kind of that level of insight when I was doing the master's um that was for me a big difference gotcha so what what would you say to your 19 year old self versus I think you said it was 10 years after was it 10 years after the divorce to your 29 year 28 29 year old self what me- what what different message would you give to both versions of um okay so 19 I started my undergrad 27 I think I started my master's yeah um yeah. Hmm. oh my god I don't know <laughs> That's okay. um I think a lot of it, I think a big part of it would have been talk. Like Mm. I just held so much in at that age, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. I think if I had potentially, you know, and I think back then it was like, 
2000, <laughs> like in 99 and 2000. It's a different time. Yeah. People weren't talking yeah. about mental health. People weren't talking about some taboo topics. Like they were so incredibly taboo at that time, right? Now mm -hmm. we're getting more conversations going around that stuff. And so yeah. therapy, even now, there's a lot of stigma around it. But they still, yeah. Yeah. You know, then was like, oh my God you know, you have to have some serious problems if you have to pay somebody to help you. Yeah, yeah. Professional. Yeah. Um, so I think to my younger self would be talk, like talk to people, get it. Great message. You know? Yeah. Don't hold it all in and don't think that you have all the answers because you don't, right? And right. if you need help, get it. And if you're not yes. sure if you need help, ask for it and then figure yeah. it out, right? Yes. Um, so I think that would have changed a lot in the course of my journey, um, mm -hmm. if I had gotten some level of help, support, um, or something. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so there was so much great information in there. I think, I know I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did too. Um, were there any sort of closing words of wisdom you would like to share with everybody before? Oh we my goodness. Uh, some wisdom. Um, I think a lot of it is just it's okay to not be okay. Like, I love it. It really is. It's okay mm -hmm. to restart. It's okay. It's more than okay to ask for help. Um, therapy's okay. Therapy's very good. I, therapy's I, amazing. I loved it when I was in therapy. Everybody needs a therapist and therapist, <laughs> myself included, needs yes. a therapist. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. We're all human, right? We need someone to talk Absolutely. to. So in general, it's, it's okay to not be okay and, and to ask yeah. for help and to get that help and to be open for that because there's so much potential in a human being and there's so much life to be lived right yeah um, and if we're always kind of functioning out of fear or guilt or any of those kind of emotions or feelings that might be coming up um I think we do ourselves a disservice and by extension our kids and then even the people you know humanity that we can potentially serve I think we're ultimately doing a disservice to people um so yeah do that and for any um you know, any of the listeners who have gone through um, their own journey that's been um, traumatizing, difficult, um, you know, they can call it whatever. I think a big part for me when I work with a lot of individuals going through therapy um, or sorry, going through a divorce um, or even otherwise, if they've, you know, um, had some trauma even in their childhood and stuff is it yeah. takes a lot of work. But, um, you know, working on not playing or thinking in the victim role right? Mm, and that yes. doesn't take away um, how a person might have been treated or wronged or any of that stuff. It doesn't lessen um, the fact that that person was hurt. Yes. But when you start functioning from that role, that's what's going to show up for you, right? And it's a very limiting role. Um, mm. And there's no growth in that role, right? Yes. And yes. So to move, like I was saying earlier, like we all are I'm always working with people and myself to make these towards moves and which basically means you're moving forward towards your values um, is you start acting and actually thinking like that force to be reckoned with right and living in that potential and so when you're functioning out of that mindset and that role there's so much potential and growth in there um, yeah so if you know someone's struggling right now I would you know maybe suggest that's the first conversation you have with your therapist is I feel like a victim. 
Yes. Say those Just admitting out. that alone yeah. will release some of it somehow. Absolutely. And talk yeah. to the therapist and work through that phrase. It is so empowering to work yeah. through that stuff for the self. And then, yeah. it, like I was saying, by extension, then the people that you love or the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. And I, I love those messages because as you were talking, I'm picturing the light at the end of the tunnel and asking for help is the, the light coming in, you're poking you holes <laughs> and that moving towards is like you're powering towards that big light with all the little lights shining in yeah. and destroying that ridiculous tunnel that everyone talks about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for making the time today. I think what your messages and what you've talked about have been so helpful uh, to so many people out there. And, and we really, really appreciate it. So thank, thank you. you. And I honestly, I appreciate so much the opportunity to be able to talk to you and to whoever's going to listen to this podcast. Um, it was an absolute pleasure and honor. Amazing. And we'll put your, both your websites um, in the podcast description so that our listeners can reference them. If awesome. Like to. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.